Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you for bringing each one out in the cold and getting us here safely. We ask that you would use our time together to glorify yourself in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated, if you would. And let's just start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is our last Thursday night service of 2017. That just doesn't seem right. And I did uh, forget to announce um, that Sunday night, uh, New Year's Eve, we're just going to have our regular service at 6 o'clock. And uh, if you are of that mindset that you just have to be here until midnight or something like that, uh, let me know. We've had one uh, family sign up already, and uh, it'll be a little less formal than it has been, not a regular uh, service thing, but uh, and we'll need you to bring some food and things like that so that we can have a, a good time together and that no one person or group is... Uh, uh, burdened with anything there in particular, that we can just have a fun time, a relaxing time there uh, Sunday night. If if that is uh, what you would like to do, please either let Andrew or I know so that uh, we can have things planned uh, appropriately. And uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and this is Solomon's... Uh, poem or or statement, uh, his uh, treatise, we might say, on time. And at uh, verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And uh, we'll stop right there. And we're not going to do an exposition of this, but uh, we do need to set this in somewhat of a context. Of course, Ecclesiastes is, Song of Sol- is, is Solomon's lament. It, it is what happens when a person puts themselves in the place of God and tries to tell everyone else how to live. Uh, 
you know, I've, I've actually thought about this, not trying to really develop it tonight, and, and uh, maybe uh, it'll be in a sermon or series next year. But, uh, you know, if you really stop and think about it, the pattern of Solomon's life is followed by many people uh, that live in this world. They get to a point to where they believe they know and understand everything there is to be about life. And their job, uh, their grand duty is to sit around and tell everybody else how to think. Um, we call them Democrats. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, I had to get that in there. Sorry, it just had to come. Uh, but they ju- there are people that just develop themselves and they talk themselves into a corner where they become the sum total of all knowledge and understanding on earth, and and they take it upon themselves to tell you whether uh, you should drink diet sodas or not, or whether how many sugary drinks you can have in a single day, and and uh, uh, they want to control every aspect of your life. That was Solomon. And it leads you to despair. Because you're going to find out one thing. If you're going to be honest. You can't control yourself. Let alone anybody else. If there is a struggle you need to be engaged in. If there's something that you need to spend your time doing. It is making sure that my life, that your life, making sure your individual life counts for God. Amen? Amen? That, that's what we're working for. And tonight, I'd like us to do just a little study of time. And, and we're going to come back here to Ecclesiastes. Uh, but uh, let's just start in the Bible. And of course, we can't cover everything the Bible has to say about time. Well over 700 verses, but let's start with the law of first mention. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. We have this thing. Uh, the word time is not used here. We'll get to Genesis 4-3 where the word time is used. But God sets this thing up and we could actually uh, 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 go back to... Um, um, verse 5, the last phrase there where it says, In the evening and the morning were the first day. But verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and to let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now, it's interesting how God set this thing up called time. Uh, you look outside, the lights are on in the building, it's dark outside. Uh, uh, even the most casual, observant person will understand that the sun goes down and gets dark. And, and it comes up the next morning. But uh, someone who's well-versed in science will tell you the sun does not go down or come up. It's the earth that moves around the sun. And then if, how many of you have ever met a flat, uh, not a flat earther, uh, but, well, they do that too, but uh, the geocentric guys, uh, they believe that 
the sun is actually doing the moving and the earth sits in the center of the universe and doesn't move. Uh, uh, Very interesting conversations can be had, but what a waste of time. Uh, You see, there are some things that we don't understand, but here's something that you need to get a hold of. What does God do to divide these days and these seasons and all of these things? Isn't it interesting that he set lights? We can measure days by the cycles of the moon, uh, the calendar, and these things repeat themselves. And, and man and all of his scientific uh, greatness has come up with several times where they've restructured the calendar and actually backed it up. And uh, that's why the uh, Orthodox Church, the old Orthodox, they celebrate Christmas and Easter usually two weeks behind everybody else. And they're arguing about time. But God took lights and he set them in the firmament. And we can tell time by the sun, the moon, and the stars. Do you know that certain times of the years, there are certain stars that are in the sky in the northern hemisphere, and you can actually tell time by all of these things. Uh, I like the, um, what was it, that astrologer thing, when was it? That was last Thursday. When it was supposed to be the worst day uh, of the year uh, because the sun had passed in front of Capricorn and Saturn was aligning with the moon. And, and, and uh, I'll tell you what, I'll take another day like that. How about you? That's the day we got the letter saying the building was completely uh, open for us and, and uh, got quite a bit done that day. I'll take another one of those. How about you? And uh, it just shows you how little the world knows. And we've got to keep moving here. But let's turn over to Genesis chapter 4 and, and verse 3. And, and we're going to see the first time that the word time is used in the Bible. Verse 3 of Genesis 4, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, it's interesting here that there's a word that's attached here, the process of time. Now, that's a phrase. It's a phrase we use often, even to this day. We talk about the process of time. There's there's certain events that take time. You don't stick a seed in the ground. How many of you remember when you were in first or second grade and you took that little cup of dirt uh, several weeks before Mother's Day, and you stuck the seed in it, and you were supposed to bring your mom a flower. Does anybody remember doing that sometimes? Do that in Sunday school and things. And and uh, I, I remember going and looking at that thing every day, and nothing was happening. Is that true? Absolutely not. All kinds of things were happening. I just couldn't see it. It is a process. And what the context of this usage here was Cain was trying to worship God with the works of his hands. 
And you see, no matter what you do with your hands, it takes time to get things done. My wife will tell you, whatever I say, how long something's going to take, multiply it by three, add ten days, and you'll be pretty close. Um, Because there is a process of time. It didn't work that way with union. Add a couple of years. Amen. Uh, But uh, the Lord has brought things to pass. But we cannot worship God in a process of time. With a process of time. Salvation. A relationship with God. That's what salvation is. Amen. That doesn't happen with a process of time. That's an event. That's why God put this here to knock this thing in the head. He's teaching us about time. There are things that take time. Salvation is not one of them. Salvation is a work that God does at the moment we express faith in Him and His Word. Now, there could have been quite a process that leads up to that, yes. But salvation is an event. That's why Abel had to take a lamb and kill it and disembowel it and cut it into pieces and burn that on an altar. And God saw that event and he accepted that. But he wouldn't accept the process of time that Cain was bringing in the fruits of the ground and the labors of his effort. And, and I, I will tell you that the earth at that time was only not even a generation removed from the Garden of Eden. You could only imagine what Cain's process of time brought forth. It, it was, I, would, I would just offer that it would be far above and beyond anything that we could imagine raising and bringing forth out of the ground today. And yet, God would reject that offering. Because it wasn't what he was looking for. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, if you're there, uh, just turn with me. And verse 5 says, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And we go down to verse 8, And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And verse 11, and all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. Do you get the point? God is using these days, he's using time as a measurement of life. They say that uh, Queen Victoria, as she lay dying, her last words that were recorded were, My kingdom for another moment. And yet, she couldn't get that moment. Because there is a measure to our lives. We have a finite period of time uh, in, in which we live. And we are constrained. And, of course, man's imagination loves the idea of being able to travel through time. I mean, there are just so many different stories that have been written over the years about uh, traveling through time and maybe going back into time and changing events and cannot be done. 
time is very confining. You cannot move. Uh, what was it? A cartoon I saw, a little newspaper cartoon. They said, we now have our $10 million diamond studded time machine. Walk in and close the door and in 60 seconds you will be approximately one minute into the future. Did you get that? If you lock yourself in the box for a minute, you'll be one moment, one minute into the future. I mean, uh, that was his sense of... That's about the extent of time travel that man can perpetrate. We live in it. That was part of Solomon's problem as he was going through the book of Ecclesiastes. He's looking at his life and he says, I'm going to die in that dirty, rotten, lame, senseless son of mine. Rehoboam's going to get everything. It's there. That's what he's lamenting. Now, whose fault was it that Rehoboam was what he was? Solomon never says that. Never owns up to that part of the equation. But that's what he was lamenting. Because he knew what kind of man Rehoboam was. And he didn't want Rehoboam to reap all the benefits and all the great things that he had wrought. But I want you to turn with me now to the book of Revelation in chapter 10. And this is an off-misquoted passage. And we have this mighty angel that comes down and he stands on the sea and upon the earth and he has a little book in his hand and he cries with a loud voice and we get down to verse 6 and it says, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, if you stick around our church very long, you're going to hear this. The Bible always explains the Bible. It's the angel here cries and swears by God that time shall be no more. Now, that doesn't mean that all the clocks will stop working when he makes this statement and uh, no one will be able to keep time and the sun won't shine and the stars and there'll be no... No, what he's saying is God's time clock will have reached the final rotation. And before, as this seventh angel sounds, before this is done, everything that's in this book is going to be fulfilled. God has so many things that he has said are going to happen. Not any more, not any less. He says these things are going to happen and they are going to happen. And we need to understand that there is coming a time when everything will be fulfilled. There is a limit 
to God's mercy and His grace. Amen? There is an end to God's forbearance. And He will fulfill everything that is in this book and no one is going to escape. That's what God says about time. It's a measurement. He made it. He made it to be measured. It's a measure of life. It is, time itself is a process. We can measure things in days and months and years. But there will come a time when every one of us will die. There will come a time when God's work will be done. All of His revelation will be fulfilled. I don't think any of that was earth shattering, but we need to be reminded that from time to time about how God looks at time, what He does with it. But let's go to Galatians 4.4, and I'll try to have you out of here on time tonight. Amen? Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. And this is a verse we often quote around Christmas time. Uh, Not that there's any actual correlation between this verse and Christmas time. Uh, Verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And I want you to just stop here and, and think. How many, how often do we get a little frustrated with God moving a little slower than we would like to see Him move? Hello? I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? I mean, if it were up to me, I would have loved to see Union finished a whole lot sooner than it was. And it's still not finished. And it never will be, actually. But we need to understand that God is working things in His time. He waited the fullness of time. Do you ever stop and think about how many years between when God told Eve, that her seed would bruise the serpent's head? Between the time God uttered that statement as they had sinned and God offered the sacrifices in Genesis chapter 3 until Jesus was born. If we take Bishop Usher's chronology... He he went through many, many years ago and added up all the lives and did everything. uh, And he sets the date of creation at about 4004 B.C. Uh, Unless the Bible reckons all time from the fall of man, which may have been. uh, And then we would know that that was the time when time began. Uh, We don't know. But it's not billions and billions of years. But God waited until the fullness of time. I tell you, I love to study the Bible dispensationally. I love to look at the different ways that God managed this creation in which we live. Adam and Eve, as they lived in the garden, had direct contact with uh, with God. It seems that the voice of the Lord was walking in the garden in the cool of the evening that 
the Bible mentions that matter-of-factly, like that was a normal daily experience. And we understand that the day that they ate thereof, they died. That part of man that had contact with God, his spirit, died. And so God had to do things, help man do things a little differently to approach unto God. And Cain brought the process of time and Abel brought an event. And God accepted the event, the death of the innocent animal, and rejected the work of man's hands. But then came the flood. And God established human government. And he said, society must take care of itself. And if history tells us anything from that point, that a society that refuses to police itself, a group of people that refuse to be, uh, <coughs> enforce at least some rules. You know, I, it's absolutely interesting that Every people group that we've ever discovered on the face of the earth, the ones that were lost, all had some type of marriage. And all of them had some type of punishment for killing other people. I wonder where that came from. Well, I don't. God put those things. And if a government serves any purpose at all, read Genesis chapter 9. Read, read what God told Noah as they got off the ark, that if man sheds man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed. The establishment of human society. But you know what? Society soon corrupted itself again, didn't it? God found a man named Abraham. And he began to deal with Abraham and his son, Isaac, who was born a miracle after him. And then Isaac's sons, he chose um, Jacob over Esau. And the, the nation of Israel was born in slavery in Egypt. And God gave them a law. About 1,800 years before Jesus was born. And, you know, there's people that will try to cut up their Bible in different sizes and different pieces. And, and we're not here cutting it up. It moves. And God gives more revelation and teaches and helps us understand. And when everything was in its perfect place, Gabriel was dispatched to tell Mary, that a son's going to be born. And you know, if we can trust God with the timing of Jesus' first advent, can we trust God with the timing of his second advent? Amen? You see, we need to understand something. We like to get things done. I mean, that's the American way, isn't it? I mean, we're just going to, we're going to fix this problem. Well, they say that, uh, what generation is that? Uh, is it the millennials or Generation X? No, it can't be the millennials. They don't fix anything. Uh, it, it's got to be Generation X. They're the people that want to fix everything. I, I guess that's where I am. I don't know. They tell me I'm a boomer. I, I don't want to be identified with Bill Clinton. I'm sorry. Uh, but 
anyway, as we move here, we want to do things. We want to get things fixed. But I want you to understand something. Let's look at God's overall time. He's in charge of it. He uses it to measure things. He measures our lives. He measures our output. But God won't accept our output as worship to Him. And God's going to finish everything in His book. But He's going to get things done on His time frame, not yours. How many of you would agree with me and say, Dear Lord, give me a little more patience to work in your time instead of my time. You know, that's what we're supposed to do with time. We're supposed to understand that God is in charge. And uh, I remember, uh, and I've often used this example, a preacher wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 88. And he set the date two weeks after our wedding. And uh, almost everywhere we went, uh, people were joking with us. And why are you getting married? Jesus is coming back two weeks. Well, that was almost uh, over 29 years and 12 kids ago. I'm glad we took the plunge. Amen. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep serving God in His time and His way and understand He's in charge. The fullness of time. His purpose was to redeem us from under the law. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Now, God redeemed us in the fullness of time, and I hope you can appreciate the play play on words here. But God wants us, who are redeemed in His fullness of time, to now redeem the time ourselves. The word redeem means to buy back. How many of you wish you had more time in your life to serve God? Every one of us. Well, how do we redeem the time? Well, let's look and start reading in verse 15. See, then, ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise... But understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it, and it goes on, but what I want us to look at here is... He's telling us that we need to walk circumspectly. We, we need to be careful where we walk. Um, how many of you have caught yourself walking uncircumspectly down the sidewalks of New York City and stepped in it? Uh, where some selfish, ignorant person refused to take care of their dog, and, and there it is on the sidewalk, and boom! Uh, what... I mean, there are a few things that just infuriate me more than that. How about you? And somebody once asked me, uh, it was at a preacher's meeting, he said, you guys from New York, you're always looking down. I said, yeah, there's a reason for that. Uh, If you don't watch where you're going, you're going to step into an open manhole. You're going to 
step on a banana peel, you're going to step... Who was it? Uh, Stephen stepped on a banana peel. The other, he said, it's the first time in my life. He said, I took a ride. He, he said, I, I thought I was going to break things. Uh, the Bible says we need to walk circumspectly. You need to pay attention to where you're going. How many Christians just kind of bounce off the bumper stops of life? I, I've heard pastors tell me, well, you know, it had to be God's will. Uh, everybody voted for me. And I'm going, wow, that's a scary thing to trust God's will to. It, it says we're supposed to know what the will of the Lord is. And when we know that will, we're supposed to follow it. And we're not to be drunk with wine where is excess. And, of course, the wine bibbers all, yeah, but, but you can have a little preacher. No. You're not supposed to have anything influence your life than the Holy Spirit of God. That means you're not supposed to spend your life pretending you're Clint Eastwood or... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or uh, who else can, uh, Barbie, or, uh, I mean, everybody is, lives in the world of make-believe. You know, you're Joe Starfighter, uh, the janitor who fell into the spaceship, and now it's your responsibility to save the universe. Excuse me, doesn't happen that way. It never has, it never will, it makes a great video game, but what are we letting influencing our mind and our soul to keep us from serving God? Where are we spending our time? You see, in Ephesians, he's talking about redeeming the time and keeping that inner voice. That's why he says, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Giving thanks always. You see, if we're going to redeem the time, we got to know where we're going and what we're doing. you got to know what the will of the Lord is. And if you know what the will of the Lord is, then you got to do it. But if you're going to do that, you got to keep things inside you in focus. Because if you don't, I'm, I promise you, you're going to get distracted. You're going to get waylaid. How many... I'm, I remember... Uh, I'll give this quick story. Uh, I, when I was working with Brother Clayton, I was single, and we were trying to keep the trucks going, and, and uh, we had a man there at Cleveland Baptist, and he would help us with the paint, had a big shop. That's what he did professionally. And... Uh, Man, I remember going over, we were painting a vehicle, and, and uh, he said, now it's going to take about a week to get this done. And I'm going, no, 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 we can get this done a lot quicker than that. And uh, we go over there, and, and the first day, I remember, he puts on the coffee pot, and at that time, I couldn't drink coffee, and a dozen donuts for four guys, and they're just sitting there eating and talking and joking, and and I'm going, uh, Mr. Sheffy, do, do you mind if I get out there and start to work? He says, oh, go ahead. And I'm out there sweating and working as hard as I can. And he comes out and in half the time gets ten times as much work done. And it looks better. 
You know why? Because he had it already set up in his mind and in his heart. He knew auto body work. He didn't waste an effort. It looked to me like he was being lazy. But he wasn't. He was right where he needed to be doing right what... And I learned the lesson. Follow the leader. Amen? God will let you work yourself to death just spinning your wheels. But if you'll get in line and be thankful, singing to yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and get knowing what the will of God is and follow that, guess what? God's going to keep things right on the inside. Let's go to Colossians. And, and this same phrase is going to be used there in the book of Colossians chapter 4. As Paul is finishing his letter to the Colossians, verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, as he is giving these little tidbits here in chapter 4, as Paul often did, just one thing on top of another, these two verses kind of stand alone here. And he's saying, listen, you need to walk in wisdom toward them that are without, toward them that are not part of the church. Redeeming the time. So, not only do we have this idea of redeeming the time by keeping things straight on the inside, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, knowing the will of the Lord, walking in the way that you should, we've got to reach out. You know, we need to know how to answer the world in which we live. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about these guys who go around debating evolutionists. I, I think that's a bunch of hogwash. In case you want to know what hogwash is, it's what you feed the pigs. Uh, no one has ever been convinced through argumentation and debate the Word of God. If you won't accept it by faith, you won't accept it by anything else. But... Here's what it says. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. It's not just this sloppy, happy, smiley stuff all the time. But, you know, we, we need to speak with grace. Jesus spoke with grace. Sometimes he was quite harsh, wasn't he? But it says that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You know, some men do not deserve a what we might consider a kind answer because they don't uh, they don't merit it. I remember years ago uh, we had a problem with some Mormon missionaries picking on a fellow that attended our church. and I, I hope and pray that it was in the Spirit, but I read those boys the riot act that day. I mean, I, I uh, lifted up my voice and they were across the street and I was inside my van. 
And they heard me. And I said, come here! And they came. And the one thought he was going to tell me what, what. And then he got told what for. One of those guys called me up about seven, eight years later. And he said, I don't know if you'll remember me or not. And all of a sudden I'm snickering because I remember and yelling at him and telling him what a dirty, rotten so-and-so Joseph Smith was and leave my guy alone and, and, uh, and, and all the horrible things that were happening. He said, I ended up with cancer in a, in a hospital room and I got thinking about all those things you said and what you said helped me understand that the Mormon faith is not true and I wanted to call and tell you that I'm a born-again Christian now and I'm going to see you in heaven someday. Hey, you have to know how you ought to answer every man. Some men, the Bible says, cast not your pearls before the swine. Some people don't get an answer. But other people you talk with and you reason with until you feel like you've lost all your words because the Holy Spirit's still working, little by little. Amen? You've got to get the voice on the inside right. Then you'll have a voice to speak on the outside. And the Bible calls that process both inner and outer as redeeming the time. Why? Because you're learning what to do so you don't waste your life. Amen? And uh, let's take a a very quick moment here and go to the book of Joel. Uh, I love this passage here as God is pronouncing judgment and woe upon His people. And He talks about... uh, uh, sending his great army into uh, uh, Israel and eating up every bit of their harvest and every good thing in the land. But we get to chapter 2 and verse 25. It says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. You know... What God told Israel is, I can take away my blessings, and I can give you my blessings. I can restore those things that you have lost. But you've got to do it God's way, not your way. Now let's go back to the book of Ecclesiastes, and then we're going to be done. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And this is one of those verses that everybody just loves to put on little plaques and, and uh, part of it anyway. Verse 11, chapter 3, He hath made everything beautiful in His time. He hath made everything beautiful in His time. How many of you spent your teenage years wishing you were 21? And then, once you got 21, wishing you could be a kid again. And then, once you reached an adult, you wished you could be young. Uh, And you spend your whole life wishing you were somewhere else. See, what, what this is talking about here is God has made everything beautiful in His time. Can you embrace the place where you are? Can you just be thankful to God for where He has put you? 
I remember talking to my great-grandmother many, many, many years ago. And at that time, she still had her speech and she could talk and she was confined to two little rooms in the house her and her husband had built in 1914, I think it was, as a dairy in central Pennsylvania. And she said, I just don't know why God has has me still alive. She said, I'm just sitting in these two rooms and I just go back and forth and that's all I do is sleep and sit and then go back to sleep. And I just talked to her and of course when you talk to her at that time I had to talk to her like I'm preaching most of the time very loud. She, Her hearing was almost completely gone. I said, well, what do you do with your days? And she said, well, I, I just sit here and I pray. And she started listing all the people that she prayed for. And she even told, well, I got a, I got a great-grandson in Bible college and I pray for him. That was me, by the way. And I remember looking at her and I said, great-grandma, I said, we need your prayers I think that's why God has you here. And she got a little smile and she said, maybe that's right. Is there anything more beautiful than a shriveled up little old woman with snowy white hair that she had since she was 19? (laughs) Now she's nine. At that time, she was like 92. And talking about praying for all these people that she knew and family and friends. and What could be more beautiful than that? But what could be more sad than a healthy, able-bodied person sitting there and saying, Well, I'm just going to pray. And not doing a blessed thing that God has for them to do in their lives. Oh! You see... God's given us this thing called time. He created it. He measures things by it. It's got a beginning. It's got an end. He wants us to understand that He's in charge of it, not us. And He wants us to redeem it. On the inside. On the outside. Understanding that He has the power to give us back things we have lost because of our sin. And that He will make each part of our life beautiful. If we'll just, instead of Solomon lamenting over all the terrible things that were going to, didn't, hey, grab a hold of it. Knowing what the will of the Lord is. Knowing how you ought to answer every man. Walking with the Lord day by day. We kind of skipped over it, but verse 10, um, oh no, the next phrase, I'm sorry. Also, he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work of God that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You know, God has put something in the heart of every man that no matter how much knowledge you have, you're never going to be satisfied with it. You know what you need to be satisfied with? Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Living 
today at God's direction. Amen? That's all we can do with time. We can redeem it by keeping things straight on the inside. We can redeem it by keeping what is on, taking what's on the inside and putting it on the outside. Amen? We can trust God in the fullness of His time and that He will restore what we need to serve Him. And we can be thankful that God has given us today, as painful as it might feel, guess what? He has made everything beautiful in His time. Don't wish you were somewhere else. Don't waste your life. Well, when I grow up, well, it's too late. You're already 40 years old. You're not going to do any more growing that really is desirable. I mean, you may grow, but that's not, after you get that old, it's, it's not good grow now, is it? You know, what we need to do is we need to praise the Lord that He's in control. We need to redeem the time. And we need to just thank God for where He's put us, when He's put us. Because you can waste your entire life wishing and hoping you were doing something else. And you miss out on everything that God has given you to do today. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ask that as we contemplate this new year, we would not just make up some ridiculous set of things we'd like to do. But Lord, that you would help us to redeem the time. Both on the inside and on the outside that we would know how we ought to answer every man because we've spent time speaking to ourselves in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and thanking God. Lord, help us to see the beauty of today. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, just keep our heads bowed if you need.